to be in God's house wherever I go. God's been good, right? And let's just believe that. Turn to somebody and say, God is good wherever I go. Amen. I'd like to welcome you, and I'd like to welcome those that are online, and you've been working very, very hard uh, on our online presentation. And so it's getting better and better each week, and so we welcome you to our service uh, on the third song. After this one, the next one, uh, you can come and pray with us if you would like. But this is going to be a good one. We are taking the yes, that's right. Let's just play songs. We are taking together the journey to Jerusalem. I will be talking about this a little more, but over on the left, you will see the 24-hour prayer time. When I when the service is over. They're going to be giving you a steps to peace, and we'll explain what that's all about today. And we are making a move. We are making a journey to Jerusalem, and God is going to lead us. So let's just worship together, and uh, I'm just grateful that all of you are here. I'm glad that uh, the parking lot wasn't bad, uh, you know, and it was snowy again. I the snow to be done. How about you? Amen. Let's give God praise. Say, God, if you're going to raise the sun, we'll praise you even more. And so let's make this a very special day. It is great to have dear friends with us today, Brad and Amy Douglas, and they are coming uh, all the way from Indianapolis to help us uh, with, uh, they are our friends, but they're helping us with sound and, and all those sort of things. And let's just give Brad and Jane a warm Capital City welcome. We are glad that you're here today. So let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, we're on the journey to Jerusalem. Lord, we're walking with you in these steps that led to Jerusalem. And again, we know where the journey led, but we also know where it ended. And it ended in an empty tomb. And so, Father, we pray today as we worship you, let us just put aside everything that would hinder us. Let us focus our minds and our hearts on the person of the Lord Jesus and just believe for a great day. In Jesus' name we pray.
No matter what Satan throws on our behalf or trying to do, no matter whether it's technology or sickness or, or sin or guilt, God, that, God, that you're greater than anything he, any tool in his arsenal, Father, any wall he could build. Father, you're greater.
region of Galilee is in the north, and it is deserty. Uh, it's much like the desert in the southwest. It is, you can see here, it's kind of uh, scraggly. Uh, there are some olive uh, trees that are there that kind of grow. Uh, it's not exactly what you would call lush. It's not exactly, but this very picture was taken uh, in a place called the Nazareth that Jesus knew. And so what this is all about is this is the kind of, of landscape that Jesus grew up in, and the Sea of Galilee is there, and wherever the re rivers and streams of the Sea of Galilee goes, uh, there is a little more greenery. But understand, uh, this is in the area of Galilee. Then the second is the wilderness, and that has the rocks and caves. And uh, when, yes, there we go. And when you grow from Galilee in the north, and you are headed down south to Jerusalem, this is what you see. And I want you to notice it is a land of unrelenting heat. There is absolutely uh, no vegetation, very, very little. Um, it's made up of rocks and dust and caves. If some of you have read about David and how uh, Saul pursued him into the wilderness, this is where he was. When it said that David hid himself in a cave, that's the kind of cave that he hid himself in. And so he was out there. It's no wonder that God literally gave the children of Israel when they were wandering around in this wilderness a cloud by day in order to keep the sun off of them and a pillar of fire by night to warm them because in the desert the heat uh, evaporates. It's a very cold, difficult kind of place, uh, the wilderness. And then as you make your way towards Jerusalem, you will see in this next about the lush, beautiful uh, trees and greenery. There we go. You can see why the people, when they were on the Jordan River, on the other side of the Jordan River, and God said, I want you to go to the east side of the Jordan, and they went over from the wilderness and they saw this. They said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a land that is beautiful beyond description. You begin to understand why there is such a battle in the Middle East uh, for this Israeli valley and this valley here because it is a far different cry than what it looked like in the wilderness. And then the last picture I just want to show you is that when we made our way to Jerusalem and as we came up, you can see if you can see that gold dome, uh, it's not real bright and, and the resolution is not real high, but this is looking towards Jerusalem uh, from the Mount of Olives. I just thought maybe you'd like to see that and uh, just to get you a little understanding of where we're going today. So Jesus began the journey to Jerusalem, and we looked at it last week, that he began his journey to Jerusalem at the Jordan River. There he was baptized of John the Baptist, and there John the Baptist bore witness of who he was. John the Baptist said, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
It was also where the Father spoke. The Spirit descended on Jesus as a dove, and the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus went from there and traveled back up to the craggy areas of Nazareth, his home area. There he began to read in the scroll, and he began to tell people what he was going to do and how I love this mission that he was going to preach the gospel to the poor. He was going to, to come to the point of healing the brokenhearted and proclaiming liberty to the captives and recover of sight to the blind and liberty to those who are oppressed and the acceptable year of the Lord. Who could be against that kind of mission? Who would be against someone wanting to bring uh, freedom to people and the recovery of the sight of the blind and healing the brokenhearted. Why would anyone oppose that? Yet Jesus came from those experiences full of the Holy Spirit. He had worshipped. He had been able to come to the place where he had experienced the witness of John the Baptist and others. And he had experienced the word of the Father. So then he took his second step on this journey, and this step led to the wilderness, what you just saw. From the beauty of, of his own home, from the relative safety of the Jordan River, he takes a step to the wilderness, and we read about it in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, and here's what the scripture says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For why? To be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. These 40 days that he was tested, that he had gone through tremendous battle, were nearing an end. And then this happened. Will you watch me? Me. 
Satan. As Jesus was in the wilderness, in a time of weariness, in a time of weakness, at the very early outset of his ministry, this journey to Jerusalem was going to be tested. It was going to be tested, and he would have to make up his mind in his own heart, much like you and I. Are we going to complete this journey? Are we going to continue to do what God has called us to do? Or in weakness and weariness, will we just turn away? You see, the objective that Jesus had for his journey was just simply this. His objective was this, to do the will of the Father who sent him, regardless of cost, consequence, or result. That was what he came to do. He came to do the will of the Father. That will meant that he would show us the Father and to show to our world that while God was truly an almighty God and while God was truly the creator God and while God was truly a holy God, Jesus came to show us that he was also loving. And he's moved with your heart and he's kind and he's gracious and he's merciful. And as we sang earlier this morning, he is a good, good father who is perfect in all of his ways. Jesus came to show us that. Jesus came to speak the truth to us. The truth about grace. The truth about the beginning of the world. The truth about what waits on the other side of the grave. The truth about grace. The truth about healing. That he was able to do great healing power. And he was able to speak the truth about warning if we reject his warning that we will stand before him and give an account for our lives. Jesus came to show the power of God by his miracles, miracles where he calmed the Sea of Galilee by just his word. He was able to turn the bread, uh, two little, uh, uh, two fish and five loaves into a beautiful meal to feed 5,000. He was able to turn the water into wine. He was able to do that. He was able to speak to the lepers and they were made whole. He was able to speak to the dead and they rose again. He came to show us the power of the Father. Then he came to suffer and this Make no mistake, he came to suffer for the sins of the world. The plan 
was that he would go to the cross to bear your sins and mine. He would go to the cross that we might be forgiven. We cannot forgive ourselves. We cannot find forgiveness in any other way. But he suffered and died on the cross. And that was the prime example of the mission. And Satan's desire was to turn him away from doing that any way he could. Now let me just tell you something. If you started on this journey, not to just earthly Jerusalem, but to one day reach the heavenly Jerusalem, I want you to understand, you will be tested. You will be tempted. There will come opposition. There will come things that you don't understand. There will come things that seem hard. There will come things that you're not quite sure. I do want to tell you, in spite of all that, God has grace to give you victory over every test, over every temptation, over everything the enemy throws your way. But you will be tested. Understand that. Jesus came to shine a light in the darkness of death. And many of us have walked through these days of COVID and all of the other things, and we've said goodbye to some of the dearest of our friends and loved ones. But I want you to know that Jesus began to shine a light in the darkness of the tomb, and I've been there, and the door is rolled away, and the stone is rolled away, and the tomb is empty, and I want you to know that he lives, and he lives forevermore, and he says, because I live, you will live also. But understand that Jesus faced opposition. The opposition was determined to turn Jesus away from doing the Father's will. That's the same opposition you will face. And to try to do it some other way. Jesus' opposition came from men. And when I say men, men I mean angels. When we read last week, the first time that he read... This day, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and this passage of Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They all began to laugh and mock and say, this can't be. This is the son of Mary and Joseph. Well, it was the son of the Son of God, and Joseph was the stepfather. But this can't be. He's not really God. Who does he think he is? Opposition came from men, and sometimes from you, opposition will from people who don't believe the things that we believe. Sometimes opposition came from his own family, his own family that believed and yet trusted, and yet his own family said at times, Jesus, don't do this. Jesus, you're beside yourself. Let us rescue you from doing all this work of ministry. No, don't, don't, don't go to the cross from his own family. Sometimes you will face opposition from your own family in doing the things of God. Then he faced opposition from his own disciples. That's the hardest. Those who were supposed to be with him, those who were supposed to be helping him, those who he had called to help him, they began to say, Jesus, you will not go to the cross. We will not allow it. Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. You savor the things of men, not of God. 
I hate to say this, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes on our journey, and maybe people don't always mean to do it, but sometimes they can get in your way, the people in the church. And sometimes they can discourage you. And sometimes they don't mean to do it, but just in complaining and just in fault finding and just in uh, it, something's not right and, and did you see the way they did this or did you see the way they did Let me tell you what, if that's where you are, don't do that. Let me tell you why. You are throwing opposition in the face of somebody who's trying to make their way through and it's already hard enough. Let's not give the devil any help. Amen, David. That's good preaching. You wonder why it takes a while for me to get done. I have to do all the amens and everything else. And so, uh, yeah. Let's not give the devil an inch. Let's not help him a, a moment. By the help of God, we're going to do what we can to help. And then opposition would come from Satan himself. I just want to park here a minute. I showed you a picture of the wilderness. It was a place of isolation. When Jesus was there, you usually don't throw a party in the wilderness. There's not many people just thriving to follow you into the wilderness. He was by himself. He was isolated. Can I just tell you something? That's the devil's desire for you. If he can get you isolated from the people of God, if he can get you isolated from people who love you, if he can get you isolated somewhere until you're all alone and, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, if he can get you isolated, it's the first step in trying to come at your heart. Isolation. Secondly, it was desolation. You saw that picture. There is absolutely, there was no a greenery there. There were no trees there. There were no flowers there. I remember when my grandfather, who was going, I think he was in his 80s at this time, came to see Connie and I out in Arizona. And if you've ever been to Arizona, people from the east, and we call this, if it's east of the Mississippi, it's called back east. And if they're east of the Mississippi, they come out there and they either love it or they hate it. And uh, there's no in-between. And so my grandfather came out and I was showing him all these beautiful mountains. Isn't this beautiful, Grandpa? He just looked. He was so used to living in Ohio all of his life. He said, well, where's the grass? <laughs> well, they don't have grass out here. Well, where are the flowers? I said, well, only when the desert blooms. That, that's when you, well, well where's Where's the beauty? I said, Grandpa, look at these mountains. Look at all of this. Looks pretty desolate to me. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Let me tell you, the devil not only gets you isolated, but then he makes you feel you're in a desolate place. There is nothing any good here. 
There is nothing that's any good. Things are bad. Things are terrible. And, and it's not only am I isolated, but now there's no good thing. There's no flowers. There's no beauty. Uh, everything in my life is just coming down. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a desolate place. It was a time of great weakness. And let me just tell you, the devil does not fight fair. He doesn't. And when you're at your weakest point, whether that be emotionally or physically or spiritually, that's when he comes. You don't have to do that. Why, why, try, why try to walk with Jesus? You know you're going to fail. Just give it up. You know, they don't do things right at that church. If they did things right, it'd be better for you. Why don't you just quit? That's what the devil, I want to tell you what, that voice is never from God. Never, ever, ever from God. And then, in a time of great weariness, Jesus was so tired. I think we are a tired generation. I'd like to blame it on COVID. I'd like to blame it on COVID, but I don't know if that's it. But I tell you what, sometimes I just feel tired. Anybody else with me on that? Uh, I, I told somebody the other day, uh, the most spiritual thing sometimes you can do is take a nap. And uh, if that's true, I ought to be really spiritual right now. And, uh, so <laughs> but we're a weary people, and when we get weary in our minds and weary in our bodies, that's when I've watched people who have walked with the Lord all these years, and then when they come to the end of life and their body is weary, look over and say, do you really think God is real? Do you really think his grace is true? Do you really think he's going to be with me? And I said, there's no question. It's just your weariness and your tiredness that the evil one comes against you. I want you to know Jesus was the holiest of all. A holy character will not keep you from being tested. When the devil tries to tell you, if you were being tested like this, it means there's something wrong with you. No, no. Jesus, the holiest of all, was tested. I want you to understand Isolating yourself will not keep you from being tested. I know if I just keep away from all these people, they just kind of freak me out. I'm just going to find my way and just be all by myself. You'll still be tested. You'll still be tested. Even when you completely surrender all of your life to God, here I am, God. I am yours why, if I am yours, why am I still going through these hard places? Why am I still going through these tests? Why am I still going through these places that seem it's so difficult that I just want to quit? It won't keep you. And even when you grow, Jesus had just come from the River Jordan. Where the Father, think about this. Think about if, I, if you were sitting here and a light opened up on you today and a dove flew down and lit on your shoulder and we all heard a voice, this is my beloved daughter, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Would we ever question that again? We might, according to what Jesus went through. When Jesus faced the opposition of Satan and when we face it, 
Jesus remembered two things, and I want you to remember this. Jesus remembered, even though when Satan, you saw this picture, it sounded plausible. Why not turn this rock into bread? I'm not sure, but it wasn't the Father's will. If God really loves you, just throw yourself down and he'll take care of you. And if you worship me, then really, you don't have to go to the cross. You won't have to go through all of this. I'll just give you all of these things. But Jesus remembered two things. He remembered the hatred that the devil has for him and for you. He only comes in for one reason. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. My wife, <clears throat> I remember one night I was serving as a district superintendent, and this will set up what's going to happen for the rest of this story. And uh, I came in one night about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'd been up somewhere in the north, and all the lights were. And I, I walked in, and I saw all these magazines thrown all over the, the floor. And I thought, man, what in the world has gone on? And Connie was on the couch, and the light was on. I thought, dear me. As someone tried, I said, Connie, what's going on? She said, it's been a terrible night. It's been a terrible night. Well, what happened? Well, there was a mouse. It <laughs> came out from underneath the couch, and I was trying to throw those magazines on it to stop it, but I couldn't stop it. I don't know where it's at. So I decided I'd just stay up till you came home. And, uh, okay, so you get the picture, right? Not too long ago, she said, David, I think we got another mouse. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? Well, you better get one of those traps. I said, okay, so we set a couple traps down, one that looked like cheese and, and, and all that thing. Nothing happened. She said, this mouse is still here. And you can tell that's a problem for her. And uh, it's a problem for all of us. But so I said, okay, we're going to get this mouse. And so I took the trap and I put jelly on one of the little things. And then I put a real piece of cheese on it, put a little jelly on that. And then I sprinkled a little sugar around it. When we got up the next morning, what do you think we found? We found a mouse. And we threw it away, and she was happy again for a while until uh, another one comes. At least we didn't have to throw the magazines and all that kind of thing. But uh, here's what I want you to see. In order to kill that mouse, we sweetened the pot. We sweetened it until it was almost irresistible for that mouse when he smelled the jelly when he saw the sugar, when he saw the cheese, he lost sight of everything else and literally then lost his life. Let me tell you, that's what the devil does to you. This is so good. This is so good. Nobody will know. Let's just do this. It'll be fine. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever find out. This is so good that it's just so good. You just can't resist it. But let me tell you what. It is a trap. 
it will destroy you. It will kill you. It will steal the things from you that are the very best in your life. The devil hates you. And the devil hates the church. And the devil hates God's work. And the devil hates anything that has to do with the worship of God. Why do you think we have such a hard time sometimes in worship? I'm telling you why. The devil hates worship more than he hates anything in the world. He can't stand to see it when God's people are singing with all their hearts and saying, you're a good, good father. Why is it that all these things come? It's because the devil hates worship. He remembered some other thing. He remembered that the devil, and there's no other way for me to put it, is that he is crafty. If the devil just came, and wouldn't it be nice if he just came like he did to Jesus, all dressed up in black and with, with terrible things, hey, just do this. He said, no, sir, devil, I'm not doing that. But he does not come that way. Sometimes he comes as an angel of light. Sometimes he comes as this kind of person uh, who, oh, yeah, sometimes he comes in a beautiful way. I had a dear friend whose name was Morton Dorsey. Some of you may remember that name. Morton Dorsey, I never will forget, was preaching a message at Mount of Praise camp meeting. And he was preaching about a man that he had known some years before. And the man had told Reverend Dorsey, I had a physical encounter with the evil one. I'm thinking, wow. I mean, that's pretty deep. Do you believe that can happen? Sure, I believe that can happen. And so Reverend Dorsey was asking him, was he ugly? Was he repellent? The man said, I, I wish I could say that. But he was horribly beautiful. Let that sink in. He was horribly beautiful beautiful. And the devil is crafty. And what he wants you to do, he caused Jesus to doubt. Jesus had already been told, he is the son of God. We heard that. And here's what the devil said, this great big word, I-F, if you are the son of God. Jesus knew he was the son of God. The father had witnessed he was the son of God. And even John the Baptist had witnessed he was the son of God. He knew who he was. But the devil tried to get him to doubt. He will do that with you. If God is really true, why doesn't he do this? If God is really true, why didn't he do that? If God is really true, why didn't he take this? If God is true and all this sort of thing. And God is not into our little boxes. He doesn't have to prove himself to us by doing our bidding. If you are the son of then he tried to get him to test God. Now, we'll have to say, Tom McKay, who is not with us, Tom and Deb went down in Florida to get uh, uh, her mom and dad and bring them back uh, from Florida. Tom's the only one I've ever heard that this actually worked. So don't try it, okay? Especially if you're young here today, don't, don't try this. Um, I don't know where he'd been. I don't know what he was doing. But he and his brother had bunk beds. 
And he was sleeping on the top of the bunk bed. And he was giving some real thoughts, spiritual things. And he started praying. And he said, God, if you're real, cause my brother to fall out of bed. And you know what? He did. The kid fell out of bed. He said, I've never seen him fall out of bed before or since. Now, I don't know what happened with that. But I do not suggest that. There's many things God has given us from the creation to his word, to the cross, to the resurrection. He doesn't have to play these silly little games with us. Well, if you're God, prove it. No, 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 no. You see, he's God. And we are here. And we need to say, Lord, I trust you. And then here's what he tried to do. He tried to distort the scripture. Here's what he said. Oh, if you're, if you're the son of God, then just throw yourself down. It's the oldest trick in the, in the Bible. The devil takes what God says in his word, twists it all around until we come up with some crazy meaning that God never intended. You can do it like this. The Bible says that Judas went out and hung himself, okay? And then if you go to another verse, go thou and do likewise. Uh, hmm, maybe I should go hang myself. No. You've got to understand the whole of Scripture. You've got to understand the broad meaning of Scripture. And the devil will try to distort it and twist it and turn it until it becomes a bondage in your heart rather than a freedom. When that starts happening, you just need to say, Satan, get behind me. That's not God. Satan tried to get Jesus to turn away from God using his physical desires, using his emotional desires. Oh, if I can just get that new job, then I'm really going to be happy. No, you won't. I just say you won't. If I just got that new car, I, then I could really show everybody. Cars get old in about 30 days. They smell just like the other one. They look just like the other one. Oh, if I just had this, then I'd be happy. No, you won't. You find your emotional security in God and God alone. And what they sang is so true. All my hope is in Jesus. I'm glad that my yesterdays are gone. My sins are forgiven. And I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then finally he tried to use his ambitions. If you're the Son of God. Just fall down and worship me. And I'll give you the whole world. Now Jesus addressed this in another sermon. Where he said, what shall it profit a man? If he gains the whole world. And yet loses his own soul. And Jesus is making a, a very large uh, contrast here. What if you could gain everything, all the money, all the wealth, all the pleasures, all the everything in the entire world, what if you could gain it all? No one's ever gained the whole world. A lot of people have tried. No one's ever gained it all. But if you could gain it 
all. You have everything that the world has to offer. I've got it all. What are you profiting? If then you lose your own soul. But then he goes a little further, and this is what is the question that makes you just want to cry. So Jesus has established, even if you could gain all the world, which no one ever has, but even if you could, and you lose your own soul, you've made a bad deal. But then he asks the second question, but what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me tell you that people give far less than the whole world. Sometimes they give a fleeting pleasure. Sometimes they give something that really just fades away, something that is worthless and something that you can't hardly imagine, but they'll say, here's my whole soul. Just I'll take it and, and I'll take the chances. Well, Jesus overcame the evil one. How did he do it? By prayer, fasting, the word of God, faith in God, recognition of who Satan is, trusting God even when we don't see our way through, resolving to do the Father's will, loving mankind, having a dynamic purpose in life, and learning how just to say no. So what was the result as we kind of come to an end here? The Bible says in the book of Matthew that after Jesus said, Satan, I will worship the Lord my God and him only will I serve. I love that picture of Satan slithering away like a snake. Don't, don't you love that? That's what happens when you overcome temptation. He slithers away. And the Bible says then that the devil left him. Now, the devil didn't leave him for good, but he left him for a while. And in my mind, I'll take a while. Amen? The devil finally left him alone. If you'll stand strong in the time of temptation, the devil will eventually leave you alone. The Bible says then the angels came and ministered to him. What a beautiful thing that in his weakness that the angels came and ministered. Let me tell you what, God has a whole army, angels and people and other things. And let me tell you what, if you'll stand strong, if you'll stand strong for the things of God, there'll come time when the angels will come and minister to you and help you. And finally, what will happen is the Father was pleased. If he was pleased in the Jordan, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, and it says that he came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, when you go through the hard times and stand strong, God is pleased with you. When you go through those times when you're tempted to quit and you just keep going, we heard down at the Defy the Odds conference down in 
Atlanta, Georgia, that when you're tempted to quit, just fight one more round. And Benny Tate told us the story about a, a man who was a boxer, and it was back early times when boxing was just starting to take, and they didn't have 15 rounds. They'd keep going till somebody fell over. And I think they said, and, and some of those that were with me, uh, it was somewhere around the 100th round or something. They just kept pe beating on each other and beating on each other. Finally, the guy won the, the, the fight. And they asked him, they said, how in the world were you able to fight that fight? How could you go that many rounds? And how could you win? He said, I made up my mind. I'm just going to fight one more round. When I wanted to quit, when my arms were so tired, I couldn't hardly go. I just made up my mind. I'm going to fight one more round. I'm going to go one more round. I'm going to do one more. I'm going to keep going even though I feel like I can't. I'm just going to fight one more round. And I don't know if you're here this morning and you're just about to the point of saying, I can't do this anymore. Just fight one more round. And eventually, God the Holy Spirit is going to come and help you and strengthen you. And the angels will minister to you. And the Father will be pleased. With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a minute. I know I'm talking to people this morning that are fighting huge battles. Not just one of you or two of you. I think all of us sometimes going through battles. If you're going through a very difficult battle and you just want to bring it to the Lord, I'm going to have you in just a moment to just stand right where you are. And then I want to have people that are close to you just to lay their hands on you while I pray for you here. If you want to come to the altar, that's okay too. But if you're going through a great struggle, I want you just to hear the voice of God. Father, I've done the best I know how this morning to help your people to know that we're going to face opposition. We're going to face difficulty. We're going to face hardships. We're going to face these things. But Lord, that if we stand true and if we stand right before God, that somehow, Lord, you'll bring us the victory. Lord, I don't know what battles are being faced. Some are physical, some are emotional, some are spiritual. But Lord, wherever they are this morning, and at home as well. You're watching online and saying, I feel like I just can't hardly go forward. And I need God's strength to fight one more round. If you're at home, would you stretch out your hand toward the television or the phone or whatever you're watching on? If you're here this morning, I want you just to stand right where you are. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to come to you. We're not going to do anything except people behind you are going to pray for you. If you're facing a battle, just stand right now, right where you are. Don't worry about what other people are thinking. Just stand up right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just stand right where you are. God bless you. People that, I just want people just to come around. 
Anyone else? I'm facing a tr true battle. God bless you, man. Others coming. Amen. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. Anyone else? I see people standing all over. I see some coming to the altar. I know we're facing battles. I know we are. But I want to tell you, God is faithful. Look around. If there are people standing close to you, just stand up where you are and just pray for them right now. And we're going to pray and trust God. Let's, let's just do this right now. Our Father, as we come before you today in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you know the battles that we face. I thank you, Lord, that you are a good, good father. I thank you that, Lord, because you faced this time of temptation, Lord, you know what we face. You know emotionally what we face. You know physically what we face. You know mentally what we face. You know, Lord, there are some that are standing here this morning that are going through huge physical issues. I pray that you'll touch them and give them the touch of God right now and let them know that you are real. There are others, Lord, that are facing huge emotional issues uh, and they're trying to understand, Lord, what should I do and how can I get out of this depression and how can I get to this place to where I can honor God? Lord, there's some that the devil has come uh, and they've made it look so good uh, to just quit and turn away from following God. I pray right where you are right now, Lord, will you touch those that we love. I pray today that you will just touch them. And now, if you're praying with somebody, just right there, just, just pray over them. You don't have to go into a lot of detail. Just pray for them right where they are. Just call your name. Just pray for them right now. We're waiting for you. Father, and I pray for those that are online today. Lord, there are some that would love to be in this place, but they can't be here today. And so, Lord, I want to pray for them where they are. I want to pray even right now for our friends that are watching online. They would love to be in service, but many things prevent them. Lord, I pray for those suffering physical issues. I pray for those suffering emotional issues and feeling that it's almost impossible to go forward. Help them to have strength to fight one more round. Lord, for those that are being tempted to sin, and they know it's sin, give them the strength to say, I'll not do that, Satan. Get thee behind me. God is true, and God is faithful. And I love you, Jesus. And I praise you. It's all right somebody a hug, that's okay, and just tell them you're praying for them. God bless you. God bless you. I wonder if we could sing, if we had the worship team, if they could come up and sing. And I want us to sing this chorus. He's a good, good father. That's who you are. Can we get just to that bridge, just right to the place of where he's a good, good father? And I want to just, I want us just, as people are just finishing here, Let's just pray. Father, thank you for hearing our prayer. Father, you're in this place this morning. 
And we know that there's opposition. We know that we individually and corporately face the opposition of the evil one. We think about our dear friends in Ukraine. We think about other people around the world. We think about what's going on even in our own church. And Lord, I just pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will fall on us today. And we have the power to face one more round, one more round, one more round, one more round. Amen. Let's stand together and, and let's sing with the team as they lead us that you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And let's worship the Lord and just sing it together as they lead us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. just to we're going to take the offering here in just a second and here's what I want us to do I want us just to in your own way you don't have to do it out loud or you can but I just want you to tell God you're a good good father and I'm going to trust you and let's just say it together you are a good good father and I'm going to trust you all my days love you, Lord. Let's sing it one more time, and then we'll take the morning offering. Let's sing it together. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Maybe seated and we'll come to you.
this time for our morning offering. And I'd like for you to do a couple things for me. If you'll take your connection card that's right in front of you, and for those of you that are viewing online, thank you so much for joining us today. And with this, we will be uh, bidding farewell to you this morning. But thank you for joining us. And may the Lord bless you right where you are. If God has touched your life, please let us know. So thank you very much. Here's what I'd like you to do. If you'll take your connection card, I want you to do a couple things. This journey to Jerusalem that we're doing, you're hearing a lot about it. It's on the back of your bulletin. There's a prayer vigil uh, chart over here. There's all kinds of things. Uh, hold on just a minute. We'll pray, and then we'll get it taken up here. Kim, if you can just wait just a minute, okay? Uh, Kim, Kelly. <laughs> just wait just a minute. I'm sorry. It's my fault. <laughs> Everybody wait just a minute. They're all doing it. Yeah, not just Kim. I just saw.